If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcast. If you love chilling mysteries, unsolved cases, and a touch of mom-style humor, Moms and Mysteries is the podcast you've been searching for. Hey guys, I'm Mandy. And I'm Melissa. Join us every Tuesday for Moms and Mysteries, your gateway to gripping, well-researched true crime stories. Each week, we deep dive into a variety of mind-boggling cases as we shed light on everything from heists to whodunits. We're your go-to podcast for mysteries with a motherly touch. Subscribe now to Moms and Mysteries wherever you get your podcast. What a wonderful surprise. The death of Roe v. Wade. Could that be coming? It looks that way. Uh, Someone And we don't like this, but I like what I saw. Someone leaked a draft opinion from the Supreme Court. It doesn't mean it's a done deal, but it does, in draft form, overturn Roe v. Wade. And it does it in brilliant form. Uh, I downloaded the entire document today. I know the Supreme Court doesn't like that, but they did confirm this is real. It was written by Samuel Alito, uh, a brilliant man, and he makes a really compelling case, and it looks like they have the votes to overturn Roe v. Wade. We'll go through it in a minute. Uh, By the way, you've got to read this for yourself, because the fake news and all the activists out there, they're going to misrepresent this thing, all right? They will. It's a very reasonable, substantive opinion, but the freakout has already begun. Okay, and that's just a, that's just a taste of what's to come. Now we have to reiterate again. Uh, if we put it up on the screen, this is a draft, and this has never happened before. I'm surprised. I figured, you know, they're writing opinions all the time. Not one has ever leaked, ever. Uh, apparently not. And this is very disruptive to the court, but. I don't work there, and I'm reading this thing, and I like what I'm reading, okay? So let's uh, let's go through it, shall we? Number one, we hold that Roe and Casey must be overturned. The Constitution makes no reference to abortion, and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one on which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely, the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment. All right. Now, we do have some legal mumbo-jumbo here, but I think we can decipher it. It goes like this. That provision has held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty. And then they go on to explain how abortion is not deeply woven into our history. Right here, the right to abortion does not fall within this category. Until the latter part of the 20th century, such a right was entirely unknown in American law. They say this, not only was this decision wrong, it was egregiously wrong from the start. Its reasoning was exceptionally weak, and the decision has had 
damaging consequences. And this I love. It is so refreshing and about time. It is time to heed the Constitution and return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. And look, if you're out there and you're pro-choice, remember this part, okay? Give it back to the states. They can make the call. This is not the Supreme Court's. And hey, did you know this, that only six countries besides the United States permitted non-therapeutic or elective abortion on demand after the 20th week of gestation? What are those countries, by the way? Well, America and also uh, Canada, China, Netherlands, North Korea, Singapore, and Vietnam. It's a very small list. Uh, Back to the ruling. Not only was there no support for such a constitutional right until shortly before Roe, but abortion had long been a crime in every single state. This was not a deeply held American tradition. And that's what it would had to have been if it wasn't explicitly mentioned in the Constitution. Now there's this, and I didn't know about quickening. Did you? We begin with the common law under which abortion was a crime at least after quickening i.e. the first felt movement of the fetus in the womb, which usually occurs between the 16th and 18th week of the pregnancy. Quickening, the movement, the baby leaps in the womb, 16 weeks, and this is what the baby just might look like. Going back to the opinion, English cases dating all the way back to the 13th century corroborate the treatises statements that abortion was a crime. And the inescapable conclusion is that a right to abortion is not deeply rooted in the nation's history and traditions. On the contrary, an unbroken tradition of prohibiting abortion on pain of criminal punishment persisted from the earliest days of the common law until 1973. This is important since it's not expressly mentioned in the Constitution. It has to be part of our history And it's not. The prohibition of abortion is part of our history. And by the way, they note, item 12, abortion is nothing new. It has been addressed by lawmakers for centuries. And the fundamental moral question that it poses is ageless. Now, as they wrap up here, we explain why Roe was incorrectly decided, but that decision was more than just wrong. It stood on exceptionally weak grounds. Roe found that the Constitution implicitly conferred a right to obtain an abortion, but it failed to ground its decision in text, history, or precedent. It relied on an erroneous historical narrative. It devoted great attention to and presumably relied on matters that have no bearing on the meaning of the Constitution. It disregarded the fundamental difference between the precedents on which it relied and the question before the court. It concocted an elaborate set of rules with different restrictions for each trimester of pregnancy, but it did not explain how this veritable code could be teased out of anything in the Constitution. And here's where I'm really rooting for the court, all right, because the blowback is and will be enormous. And they know that, they know that, and they write about that here. We do not pretend to know how our political system or society will respond to today's decision overruling Roe and Casey. And even if we could foresee what will happen, we would have no authority to let that knowledge influence our decision. We can only do our job, which is to interpret the law, apply longstanding principles of stare decisis, and decide this case accordingly. We therefore hold 
that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion, Roe and Casey must be overruled and the authority to regulate abortion must be returned to the people and their elected representatives. You know, everyone's saying, of course, this is fascism. They're totally overreacting. They have not read this opinion, which again, if you do, you'll have respect for the court and you'll know 10 times more than these people know. This is just the beginning. Next, they'll go after gay marriage and, and maybe maybe uh, uh, the board, the what is it, Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah. They already eroded our voting rights a little yeah. bit. Uh, so I see some, I see fascism down the line here. My biggest fear is that this is not the end. This is the beginning of the evisceration of many of the rights we enjoy today. It would fundamentally change us as a country. It would fundamentally change the relationship uh, between women and the government. Everything is at risk. This is an earthquake. Um, it's an earthquake for constitutional rights in this country. It's an earthquake for millions of women in this country. Honestly, I want to cry. Um, you know, I want to cry in so many different ways. <laughs> well, have a good cry. You have a problem that the authority to regulate abortion must be returned to the people and their elected representatives. What's that to cry about? Everybody else totally ignorant, especially that Joy Behar, who, believe it or not, is not insane and is actually somewhat nice in real life. Now, this thing leaked. I don't have a problem with that, to be honest, but for those who work at the court or have worked at the court, like Ted Cruz, they tell us that this is, um, this is major. Again, you could have told me before today that this happened 10 times, 20 times over the, I don't know, I don't work there, but to those who do, they're rattled. I have to say it is utterly stunning uh, that anyone at the court would leak a draft opinion. Uh, in over 200 years of our nation's history, this has never happened. And I am appalled. This is the most egregious breach of trust at the Supreme Court that has ever happened. Presumably, some left-wing law clerk angry at the direction the court is going decided to betray his or her obligation, the trust that clerk owed to his or her justice and to the court. This is the predictable result of the Democrats' multi-year campaign to politicize the court, including Chuck Schumer standing on the steps of the court, threatening to, quote, unleash the whirlwind, including radical Democrats threatening to pack the court, including the effort of many Democrats to personally smear and target Justice Thomas, all of this is the vicious politicization of the court. And, and I got to say, I don't know how the court does its business going forward. Wow. All right. Look, I'm a big Ted Cruz fan. He's brilliant. I like him. I think someday he's going to be president. But I'm just not as outraged by this leak. I mean, I see him all the time. Uh, the legislative branch, the executive branch. OK, it happened at the judicial branch. He used to work there. He was a clerk. Uh, we've seen it before. So we'll see. And as far as the justices, uh, pressure on them from the public, that's why we give them lifetime appointment, not to remove the pressure, but so they won't succumb to the pressure. And there has been a lot of pressure on these guys over the years. Take a look at this, 2000. A damn near riot out in front of the Supreme Court, okay? That's why we give them those lifetime appointments. Okay. Now, there are people who are very upset out there about... Uh, 
this apparent decision. I think it's good for the country, actually. I do. I think abortion, I think a lot that went with it, the sexual revolution, which seemed great for a while. I think we all know now, actually, deep down, this hasn't really worked out. Hasn't worked out for the American family, has it, right? Now, what's the best environment in which to raise children? A family. And families are under assault. Take a look at these numbers. They are astounding. All right, in 1960, 74% of adult whites were married. That's down to 57% today. How do the people, how do all the single people feel? Have they benefited from abortion on demand? Take a look at these numbers. Marriage rate for black adults in 1960, 61% down to 33% today. Is this helpful? I think abortion, I think it's a huge part of this. Let me know if I'm wrong. One more. Uh, marriage rate overall for adults in 1960, 72% down to 50% today. That's a lot of unhappy people. Just because you're married doesn't mean you're happy, of course, but um, these numbers are not good for America, and abortion has a lot to do with it. Stay with us. More on the reaction. Elizabeth Warren almost had a stroke today over this. We'll be right back. President of the United States. And, you know, I wouldn't say Fox has been exactly perfect. Fox has been a big difference of Fox between now and what it was four years ago, as you know. But we have others that come along and they're doing well. And uh, uh, Newsmax has been really good. And, you know, others are coming along. And people are seeing that they're watching these conservative networks. President Trump is right. That's why millions of Americans are tuning into Newsmax for the real news they can trust. All I can say... Is, is that, that the fake news just doesn't get it, do they? I'm losing my voice. I don't think Donald Trump has ever lost his voice in seven, right? Did he ever? I don't remember him ever losing his voice. Anyway, I'm, losing, I'm sorry about that. Uh, Joe Biden, known to lose his voice, also known to lose his marbles, sorry, uh, made two pretty basic gaffes today in Alabama. He went to the Javelin Missile Factory. You know, they're sending the Javelins to uh, Ukraine. But Joe couldn't keep it straight in his head who we're fighting, whose side we're on, where these javelins are going, et cetera, et cetera. Coastal defense systems. Before Russia attacked, we made sure Russia had javelins and other weapons to strengthen the defenses so Ukraine was ready for whatever happened. And oh, we didn't make sure Russia had the javelins. We made sure Ukraine had the javelins. What else did he say? And just a few days ago, the Wall Street Journal quoted a young Hungarian fighter saying, and I quote, without the javelins, it would have been very hard to stop the enemy pushing ahead, end of quote. So these weapons... Yeah, misquote, misquote. Uh, we looked it up in the Wall Street Journal. It wasn't a Hungarian. It was a Ukrainian, Joe, okay? We're supporting the Ukrainian fighters. Okay. Now, as this abortion debate reignites, you got to remember the fake news. They are not on our side. They are all all pro-choice, ardently so, all Democrats, they don't mind being lied to. We saw that the other night. They're just hooting and hollering at everything Joe Biden does. They're always giving each other awards, uh, trophies for 
who the hell knows what, but they gave each other a lot of trophies the other night. It was one after the next after the next. I mean, the Academy Awards of, of, of fake news, but uh, they are incensed about what's going on right now. The willingness to trade off women and women's rights for people's own personal political views is sickening. Republicans should be ashamed of themselves. For a party that says that they're all about individual freedom, they're hell-bent on taking away freedoms from so many women. And But if this ruling as drafted becomes law, this incredible uh, leak of a draft opinion, uh, it eviscerates women's rights. And we're literally stripping the women of this country of their rights. If that happens, I think you're going to see repercussions like never before. Oh, when have they ever lied to us before, huh? When have they ever exaggerated and hyped something beyond all recognition? Read the opinion, the draft. It's totally reasonable. And uh, there's a provision in here. Our elected representatives can uh, regulate abortion, all right? If we live in a state that uh, is so directed by the voters. Okay. Oh, Elizabeth Warren, though. <laughs> this, is, this is almost funny. Number one, she's walking on that flower bed. She's crushing flowers as she's on this little tirade. Keep going. Can Keith Rovers wave the ball of the land? They just need to do it. I, I've never seen you so angry. You seem to be. This is what the Republicans have been working toward this day for decades. They have been out there plotting, carefully cultivating these Supreme Court justices so they could have a majority on the bench who would accomplish something that the majority of Americans do not want. 69% of people across this country, across this country, red states and blue states, old people and young people, want Roe versus Wade to maintain you as the law of the, the land. We need to do And we have a right. All right, I've actually seen Liz Warren angrier than this. It was at the staffer who told her to take that DNA test that proved she was a fake Indian. Remember that? She blew her top. And meanwhile, Liz, you really shouldn't be this angry because take a look. You're ultimately going to have a say in this. In the draft opinion, it says it is time to heed the Constitution. You have a problem with that? And return the issue of abortion to the people's elected representatives. That sounds terrific to me, actually. But again, um, uh, they don't read this stuff. Uh, this is Congresswoman Jayapal, known for her hysterics surrounding uh, uh, January 6th because she, um, I don't know, she had to uh, sit down for a while. I can tell you this is a stunning, stunning rebuke of precedent and of the fundamental freedom that women have to make choices about our own bodies and our own futures and our own economic security. And the thing is, Victor, that these justices are acting like this is somehow something that they have the right to change. They do not have the right to change this, which has been settled law for two generations now. All right. Actually, <laughs> They do have the right to change it. It's right in there. And they have overturned precedent before. If it's bad constitutional law, there's even a greater imperative to do so. Do you know somebody thought that Brown versus Board of Education at one point was constitutional, right? Before it was 
thrown out. Uh, one way or the other, <laughs> precedent was actually dismissed for the court to do the right thing. It happens. It's good. Uh, but there's this. And then, and then, there's a lot of racial virtue signaling. Take a look. This is a blow to poor women, and particularly to poor black women, because black women are the women who are getting mm -hmm. abortions at a higher rate than any other group. So the Supreme Court has just dealt them a group who is already, by very many economic metrics, suffering much more than other groups in America. They've just dealt them another very difficult blow. If you look back to times when abortion was illegal in this country, who were the people that died from unsafe, illegal abortions? It was overwhelmingly black and brown women who died, not wealthier white women. Um, so the, the ramifications of this for, are very, very real for women. And they're very, very real for poorer women, for whom this will mean that abortion is now effectively out of reach and they will have to deal with it alone. This person has no idea what it's like to be poor and brown or black in America, okay? But boy, oh boy, it feels good, virtue signaling like that. The reaction from the left has been both ignorant and um, borderline criminal. Uh, take a look at some of these tweets. Now, I'm not for censorship, right? You can do whatever you want. Uh, but you should put a picture of the Supreme Court and you say, burn it to the effing ground. This is not democracy. That's a call for violence right there, professor. A professor put this up. Ooh, this is from Mary Trump, Donald Trump's niece, estranged, of course. Remember her on her beer run and the nasty book she wrote? And, oh, she knows all these secrets about Donald Trump, even though she was two years old at the time and he was 22. It's a mess. What did she tweet? Uh, borderline stuff. Women with unplanned pregnancies will suffer and die. Children raped by their fathers or uncles or strangers will suffer and die. This SCOTUS will make these deaths not just inevitable, but legal. And Republicans do not care. We must fight back. Uh, how hashtag expand the court. Watch for that. Uh, I think we have another one. Oh, Gavin Newsom, the pretty boy from California. The world is about to hear their fury. California will not sit back. We are going to fight like hell. Interesting, whenever Republicans say they want to fight like hell, they say, you're going to, that's an insurrection. How about this one? I'm not sure what she's getting at. Uh, I do wonder how these white supremacist lawmakers would feel if their little white daughters were raped and impregnated by black men. What an odd thing to say. What a terribly odd and vulgar thing to say. We'll just leave it at that. Who has brought us to this uh, moment Guys like Chuck Schumer, again, the left can say whatever the heck they want, can't they? I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. <laughs> Call the marshals on this guy when they do it. It's fine. All right. I'm going to put that aside for a moment because it's primary day in Ohio. Very competitive uh, Senate primary. Uh, there are the candidates. J.D. Vance, by the way, has the endorsement of President Trump. And President Trump, of course, endorsed a lot of people. Ex-presidents don't do this, but he has. Senator Chuck Grassley has my complete and total endorsement for re-election. He's a great governor. He loves the state. Has my complete and total endorsement. 
Greg Abbott, Governor Greg Abbott. I want to pick somebody that's going to win, and this man is going to win. Come on up, J.D. Carrie Lake, I'll tell you, she is incredible. She's going to be your next governor. And By the way, I endorsed another person today, Dr. Oz in Pennsylvania. Dr. Oz. That's pretty amazing, right? Most presidents don't do this, ex-presidents, whatever. He did it a hundred times, I think, because if they're wrong, it'll reflect badly on them. I love his style here. He's got this popularity. He's got money. He's got influence. Why not use it? Most politicians hoard it, mostly for themselves, right? Anyway, the fake news. They can't wait until the first Trump-endorsed candidate loses. The power of Donald Trump's endorsements getting put to the test. Ohio is going to be a big test for the former president. It is a big test for the former president. It's going to be a big test for Trump. We've got Ohio, we've got North Carolina, Pennsylvania, where he endorsed Dr. Oz, Texas, Georgia, lots of Trump candidates coming up on the ballot. It's going to be a big test. He likes being tested. He loves it. He loves it. And look, Some of these candidates are going to win. I hope most of them win. I hope all of them win. Some are going to lose. We'll see what happens. Uh, But he's willing to stick his neck out, and most politicians aren't. Certainly ex-presidents. Jimmy Carter, foreign affairs. He really did. Republicans and Democrats alike can't stand this guy. Uh, George H.W. Bush, one term in office. I mean, he went up to Kenny Bunkport, and uh, I don't know what happened next, but he wasn't a political uh, powerhouse, right? But Donald Trump, he always wanted to get something done, things done for us, for the country. And that's why he's not retiring, even though I don't think there's ever been an older ex-president, right? Something like that. Donald Trump was the oldest person up until Biden to take the job. Anyway, he's still got it, right? We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. The fake news, they hate this again. It defies the model that they created, right? You're not supposed to be like this. You're supposed to be like Jimmy Carter. You're supposed to go home. You're supposed to hang your head in shame. Good for you, Donald Trump. We will be back with the worst mayor in all of America. You're looking at him. His name is Eric Adams. All show, no go. Be right back. Real conflict. Real threats. Real heart. Now, there's a place America gets its news. No agenda. Just the facts. Newsmax. Real news for real people. Does your town have a problem like our town? Out of control crime? This is New York City. Lots of people come here. Tourists, right? It's actually the largest city in America, and it's going downhill fast. Uh, We have horrible scenes like this all the time. Crime is actually up 58% over this time last year. And our pathetic excuse for a mayor, Eric Adams, actually campaigned that he would be a crime fighter, right? But he doesn't know anything. He was a below-average cop 
who got out at mid-level, right, and didn't really achieve much in the way of rank, or he wasn't a crime fighter, he was an agitator. And now what does he do? Well, not much. He went to the Met Gala, and this is how he wants to fight crime, with uh, a customized tuxedo that says, and gun violence. Right, a little bit of graffiti on the back of his uh, jacket. That's going to work. This stunt has been pulled before. So many of these people, all they want to do is be internet famous. Remember AOC? She went to this silly Met Gala ball run by Vogue magazine, uh, the Chick-fil-A uh, suit. Well, it says tax the rich. But a lot of people notice right away that it looked kind of like the Chick-fil-A bag. You know, when you, <laughs> right? It was the same thing. So back to Eric Adams. Uh, he's the mayor. It's a very, very big job, and he has tremendous resources. 50,000 police and civilian staff working for him, and he doesn't have a clue. And instead of getting better, preparing, uh, learning, asking for help, he's getting ready for that silly dinner dance ballroom situation. Seriously, getting a manicure and a pedicure. You know, um, I've actually never had a pedicure in my entire life, uh, but he's got time for one. They just want to be internet famous. That's all they want to be. And I think AOC is partly to blame. The Kardashians, they've done so much damage to this country. I mean, they really have. I mean, we're kind of responsible too, but Kim Kardashian went to this silly thing, the Met Gala, and she wore, uh, apparently that's Marilyn Monroe's 60-year-old dress. Yeah, Marilyn Monroe wore the same outfit when she sang Happy Birthday to uh, John F. Kennedy. You probably have seen this footage before. The chemistry, I'm told, was uh, palpable. The president came up right after this. I can now retire from politics after having had a happy birthday sung to me in such a sweet, open way. Well, a little bit later at the after party, uh, there's JFK with his head down and uh, seems to be making some arrangements with uh, Marilyn for the after after party. So uh, that dress survived somehow, and uh, 30, uh, 60 years later, Kim Kardashian is wearing it, and everybody finds it delightful. Kim Kardashian wearing that dress. This is the dress that Marilyn Monroe wore to sing happy birthday to President John F. Kennedy oh 60 years ago. This is the actual That's dress. The Take actual a look at the side-by-side. Side. Yes, the actual side dress. By side. That is the actual dress. Oh, my gosh. Well, so she looked stunning. I liked she it. Did. Kim Kardashian, who sparkled in the very same gown worn by Marilyn Monroe six decades ago. It was undoubtedly Kim Kardashian who stole the show. Kim Kardashian wearing the actual dress worn by Marilyn Monroe when she sang to President Kennedy. Yeah, the same night she hooked up with President Kennedy. Everybody knows they were hooking up. I'm sorry. And that's just not, you know, it's not ideal. Look, things happen, but should they be celebrated? Celebrated like this? 
In 60 years, is somebody going to wear Monica Lewinsky's dress somewhere? You know the dress? I don't know. If we continue like this, maybe so. We'll be right back. Liberty-loving American takes on Washington, Hollywood, and the whole media establishment. He's Chris Salcedo. Join his fight. Tune in to The Chris Salcedo Show every weekday afternoon on Newsmax. A stunning leak from the Supreme Court, a document which is reportedly a draft opinion, suggests the court is set to roll back Roe versus Wade. The bombshell breaking news out of the Supreme Court, an unprecedented leak from the highest court in the land. The abortion rights bombshell from the Supreme Court, a draft opinion leaked to the media. Politico drops a bombshell on the U.S. legal and political systems with an unprecedented leak from the Supreme Court that Roe v. Wade may be on the verge of being overturned. There has never been anything like a leak of this magnitude. Anything close. Never, never, never. Quite frankly, I'm a bit surprised. Uh, It's been around for a long time. Everybody else in Washington seems to leak. But let's bring in an expert, if you don't mind. We have Mark Paoletta with us, former general counsel at the OMB under President Trump, also a veteran of the Bush 41 White House and author, co-author of the new book, Created Equal, Clarence Thomas, in his own words. Mark Paoletta and Clarence Thomas, uh, very, very close. Um, Mark uh, helped usher... Uh, Clarence Thomas through that brutal confirmation um, uh, process uh, back in, what was that, 1991. Mark, welcome to Newsmax. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me on. You bet. First off, look, you're close to this process. You know how it works. I'm not. I don't feel like the leak was the end of the world. Uh, I could, but apparently I'm wrong. Why is this leak so bad? The, the, the Supreme Court is the last institution where there is some sort of, you know, level of comedy between the, the justices to work out their opinions. And so this was and is an unprecedented breach uh, of the Supreme Court ethics and in, in leaking this opinion. So it, it's going to have monumental in, you know, impact on the court. Um, and it really is, again, the left doing this. When the left doesn't get their way, they leak. They burn down institutions. And I really think that's what's going on here. And I think it's caught up in this idea with, with abortion, which should have never been. Uh, Roe v. Wade was an abomination when it, when it was decided. And it has roiled the court since then and roiled America. And it's made the, 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 the Supreme Court sort of a super legislature and you're right, Greg, acting sort of like a Congress in terms of documents leaking out now. So this was a last desperate, you know, despicable act by a, likely a liberal, you know, clerk or somebody up on the court to try and blow up the, 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 the process. Uh, and, um, you, you know, and, and, and but again, coming out of this thing, you see this great opinion. I think probably that's why you're, you're a little happy is this opinion uh, is a full-throated overruling of Roe v. Wade, which we've been waiting for, for people who believe in the Constitution and justices who should apply the Constitution. And that's what's happening here. And I think now that there's been this leak, the court should release this opinion, you know, and finalize it as quickly as possible, because it doesn't serve the court's interest in any way to keep this hanging out there. It's been, it was, you know, it looks like the, the draft was issued in February, February 10th or so, based on the document release. That's three months. The courts had long enough to, to kind of write this up 
get everyone's views, and they should get this out right away. Chief Justice Roberts, you know, he confirmed the authenticity of this, but he's deeply yeah. disturbed. He wants to have yeah. a full investigation. And he made the point of saying this is not final. This is a work in progress. And we know right. that Chief Justice Roberts is a little wobbly on some of these issues that are near and dear to our heart. Do you think he wants to uh, roll this back or undo what, what potentially could be done? Um, I, I think, first of all, the, the chief justice is not part of this five-member you know, uh, opinion. So I don't think he has any control over that. The, the, the court, for purposes of this opinion, are the five justices who have signed or look like they have signed up for this at least decision. The opinion, you're right, may go through some changes. But I think, you know, I think the, the left has done themselves a, dis, a kind of a harm. They, they tried to blow up the court. But now that it's out, out there, it's going to be very difficult for any of the justices, I think, to walk back. But I also think that of, the, of these five, I, I have confidence that nobody's going to go wobbly. The other thing is, Greg, I was walking my dogs last night when this thing broke. Uh, and the first thing I thought about around 9, 9, 9.30 was back in the Thomas confirmation. And again, Thomas has driven the left crazy from, from the day he came to the court. But in the 91 confirmation, people forget this because they need a Hill stuff later. But the, the left leaked a draft opinion that Justice Thomas had sat on. I mean, he had been on the panel and it hadn't been released yet. It, you know, it, it, and, and the, a liberal judge released that opinion to try and derail Thomas's confirmation back then. So when I heard this, I thought this is the same show the left always does. They don't get their way. They, they try and blow it up. They were leaking his opinions, and I just remembered they also leaked the videos he rented from Blockbuster Video or wherever it was. Oh, that was all. Yeah, that was a complete. That was that was that was false and a lie and uh, and, and, and dubious with the the owner. <laughs> that's another topic. But heinous, that's, heinous. they were they were completely uh, trying to destroy him. But yeah, it was called the Lambrecht decision, unprecedented. I think at the D.C. Circuit that they that they released the the, the it was the vote that they released. I don't think the opinion was released, but again, it was all meant to do derail Justice Thomas's confirmation, just like here. You're seeing this leak with the idea of trying to derail uh, the court from issuing this opinion. And it's, it's really despicable. The book, your book, let's put it up on the screen, please, uh, comes yeah. out uh, next month, uh, created equal Clarence Thomas in his own words. Uh, tell us about it. Uh, uh, what's uh, what's, what's uh, what, what can the reader expect? Sure. So there's a great documentary that Michael Pack directed called Created Equal. It was unprecedented. It was 25 hours of, of interviews with Justice Thomas. It became a, this wonderful documentary on his life, his incredible life and his jurisprudence. And this is uh, the, the book is kind of you only have two hours in a movie. Yeah. This is the yeah. interview that's much longer than that. And Justice Thomas discusses his life and issues. It's just a, it's a wonderful, new, wonderful read where if you love Justice Thomas or even if you want to get to know him, buy the book. It's, it's going to be a wonderful insight into this great man and great justice. Mm, sounds awesome. Our justice. And uh, we know that you are a great, loyal friend to him. And uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Uh, Mark Paoletta, thank you very much. Veteran of the Trump White House, the Bush 41 White House and author of Created Equal, Clarence Thomas in his own words, co-author that is. Thank you very much, sir. And we'll be right back. A draft opinion from the Supreme Court that overturns Roe v. Wade. Again, it's just a draft. It's not official. It was leaked, probably for nefarious purposes, but I think it's a sign of great things to come. Take a look at this, what they conclude. We therefore hold that the Constitution does not confer a right to abortion. Roe and Casey must be overruled, and the authority to regulate abortion must be returned to the people. 
and their elected representatives. That is music to a lot of people's ears tonight. Uh, let's bring in Father Frank Pavone, National Director of Priests for Life, pro-life activist, and also the former National Co-Chair of Pro-Life Voices for Trump. Father Pavone, welcome back. What do you think of this news? This is awesome. You know, first of all, of course, we, we you know, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised about two things. Number one, that we that we have the willingness of the court now to reverse this egregious decision of Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And I'm also not surprised at the behavior of the people on the left. They're desperate. And, you know, Greg, for, for, for decades, for the decades that we've been fighting Roe, we have talked about the abortion distortion. What it basically means is whatever norm of law, whatever protocol of the courts, whatever uh, rules of common sense that apply in every other circumstance, when it comes to abortion, all the rules change. And look at the latest victim of the abortion distortion, the very confidentiality of the process by which the Supreme Court hammers out these decisions. It's egregious. It's insulting. It's an attack on the court and the country. But this is exactly how the left advocates for and pushes for abortion in every in every way. Well, uh, we give them lifetime appointments for a reason to withstand pressure. And there will be a lot of pressure. Uh, I don't see how this can be undone, though, uh, and I'd like to put this up uh, slate nine, if you don't mind. And they point out <laughs> that, you know, since this is not mentioned in the Constitution, abortion is not mentioned in the Constitution, they have to prove that it's somehow uh, part of common law or deeply entwined with our history. And I also like this. We begin with the common law under which abortion was a crime, at least after quickening the first uh, felt movement of the fetus in the womb, which usually occurs between the 16th and 18th week of pregnancy. What they do is they make a very effective case that abortion was essentially illegal all the way up to 1973, just about everywhere. And if it's not in the Constitution, it has to be intertwined with our history. And it's not. Abortion never really had a home in America up until Roe v. Wade. You know, uh, Justice Alito focuses in his draft opinion more on the history even than on the science. And rightly so. Roe v. Wade is so weak on history. They cited one person, Cyrus uh, uh, Means, who was the attorney for NARAL, and uh, not, even, not even any kind of heavy uh, credentialed historian. And they cited no other historian. And Means comes up with, with, uh, with theories of history that had not been heard up until then and that have been discredited since then. Roe v. Wade talks about, oh, ancient civilizations, how they dealt with abortion and does not take note of the fact that at the time the 14th Amendment was adopted, where they claimed to find a liberty interest in abortion, the, the, the states prohibited abortion right. for the most part throughout pregnancy. So th th thank God, you know, Justice Alito really, really, he doesn't only reverse Roe in this, this, in this opinion, he devastates it completely. I want to show you some statistics, and I think this is kind of a, a takeaway for me, what abortion has wrought in part. I can't blame abortion exclusively, but in 1960, the marriage rate for adults was at 72 percent. Now it's at 50 percent. And if you break this down along racial lines, uh, the numbers are even more disappointing. If we could put up the number for black adults, if you don't mind, uh, the comparison is rather stunning. And by the way, there was a real push in the, uh, in the Congressional Black Caucus against abortion at one point. 1960, 61 percent. 
were married. In 2020, 33%. One of the reasons why people, abortions have done nothing for marriage and the family, have they, Father? They have, nothing has destroyed marriage and the family more than abortion. And I say that not just as my own opinion, but on the research of uh, people like a psychiatrist, Dr. Philip Ney, has done more research on the impact of abortion probably than anyone else. Uh, there's, a, there's a book people might want to look at called Complications, published by the DeVeber Institute, and it shows some of this impact on relationships, uh, destroying the ability to trust, to make right. decisions, to pursue right. one's life's dreams. Dreams. Frank Pavone, Frank Pavone, thank you once again. Congratulations seem to be in order. We're not quite there yet, but uh, this is a real good sign. Very, very much. Stinchfield is next. I hope I'm back tomorrow. <laughs> Have a great night.